This podcast is for mature audiences 18 and over and for entertainment purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider before pursuing any of our topics discussed. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, the place to get play, sex, and nutrition talk straight to your ears. Hey, lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm sex expert Dr. Cat. Fresh out of a week-long solo camping trip into the mountains, getting all wild woman up there, I came back to Earth with my message box completely flooded. <laughs> These last two weeks ugh, have been some really powerful ones as a collective experience out there. Many of you listeners have sent me messages about how you've been really stepping up into your power and speaking your boundaries in your relationships and speaking up about what you're wanting in sex, which is so amazing. I'm celebrating you. Some of these talks have been resulting in either coming to an end or an evolution of your relationships. Well, I guess it's always an evolution, right? And I'm stoked in celebrating all of you. If you haven't checked out our episode 25 with Diane Kayser, where we talked about being a boundary badass, I highly recommend you scoot your little kitten butt over there and check it out after this epic episode right here. In the meantime, you're all doing awesome and you're learning and you're practicing exactly what you need to. Now, this week... We are about to up-level your vocal cords 10 notches. I've got the ultra-sexy Eva Clay here to talk about communication in sex and love, voice activation for increased pleasure potential, and asking for what you want and need. I know a bunch of us can really up-level our communication skills. I know a bunch of us can be a little louder in our sexual play. <laughs> But before we get to Eva, lovers, you are the reason that I do this show. And I want to thank you for tuning in, for spreading the word, for leaving reviews and trying some of the suggestions that we recommend. I've been getting epic feedback on the products that we love and that I use myself because my goal is to really help you get to eat, play and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which obviously will improve every aspect of your life. <laughs> And if you haven't already, please head to eatplaysex.com where you can subscribe to my show, connect with me, and grab my sexy guides to boost your confidence, your vitality, and your sex life. You. <laughs> now to the epic Eva Clay, who is an, uh, an acclaimed sexologist, psychotherapist, and thought leader. And I've been following her videos for a while. She really has some powerhouse ways of delivering these messages to help people drop into their pleasure. In fact, Eva's mission is to really illuminate this menage a trois of soul, sex, and science. Eva believes that self-love is the foundation for healthy relationships. Preach, girl, <laughs> and has helped thousands of people turn sex into a sacred practice. As a teacher of neuroscience, she bodaciously reminds us that smart is sexy and her work reflects an elegant marriage of the profound and the playful, which is perfect for my show, Eat, Play, and Sex. I'm totally on board with that. My God, woman. <laughs> Did I tell you I was a sapiosexual? <laughs> Takes one to know one. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you on. Mm, thank you, love. It's good to be here. <laughs> now, you also got back from the woods, and I think you responded that to my email, too. Something about, the forest is calling me. I'll get back to you later. <laughs> <laughs> Did you also get yeah. Wild Woman up in the woods, too? <laughs> Um, I, I did and I didn't. Um, I, I set, I set out to spend some time at an ashram. Ooh, an ashram. You want to share with our listeners what an ashram is? <laughs> uh, by definition, an ashram is a monastic Hindu religious retreat. Ooh, exotic. I, I know that because I looked it up. I wanted to know like the dic <laughs> I wanted to know what the dictionary definition of an ashram was. And that's it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and what was your experience of the ashram? Yeah, um, you know, it wasn't for me, <laughs> which is interesting. I'm like, um, me and, and ashrams, like, yeah, not a good match. Um, you know what? That is actually a really good lesson for everybody. We don't know something until we try it. And it's it's that curiosity <laughs> mindset, right? Even in sex, we don't know until we try it. And then we decide, no, nah, this isn't for me. Maybe <laughs> something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I this is really my first experience going to an ashram for a week. And so there might be, you know, I assume that there are different sects and denominations and types of ashrams, but the, the one that I went to, um, I, I think the teaching here is something even deeper mm. in that, you know, I, um, I'm a big believer in pleasure as a spiritual practice. That's mm. what I live my life by. That's how I walk in the world. And uh, I went to this particular one and it was just, it was very disciplined, which I'm totally okay with. I like discipline and structure. Wait, what kind of discipline are we talking about? Like up at 4 a.m., oh. sitting, you know, sitting for hours in a very rigid posture. So not um, a sexy discipline. Not, not like power not, play. Not. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's, it's something not, else. <laughs> it's, it's not a discipline, but a <laughs> discipline. Um, and there's a difference. But um, so anyway, yeah, this, the, the culture there was very joyless. Mm, and, interesting. Yeah. And, and after a couple of days, I just felt like sitting in this rigid posture and chanting these prescribed prayers and just being in the box, in the container of this particular philosophy, everything in my body was screaming, fuck, no. <laughs> <laughs> it just was like, no, 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 no. This is not what I want. That was your mantra. And halfway through the week, okay, I'll, I'll make a confession here just for you and your listeners. I haven't really told anybody this. But, nobody um, tell. Nobody share. <laughs> <laughs> She's about to share a secret. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, was, it was so rigid. And of course, we know when there's a suppression of the organic body and of our primal desires that there's typically engenders a rebellion, right? So mm. halfway through the week, this is a, ve a vegan environment, very strict vegan environment. And um, I snuck away from the ashram. I skipped class and went and got a bacon omelet. <laughs> <laughs> Responded and, to my email while you're eating the omelet, I'm sure. And, and I went shopping at the mall. <laughs> Oh my God, you bad, bad girl. <laughs> I did. I, and it was like a total impulse because I was just driving down the road and I saw a JCPenney's. I'm like, oh, I want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like just these kind of low vibration things. And, um, and I just, it felt so good. And I came back to the ashram and I just realized like, I need to follow my organic body. And mm. it's, mean to engage in things that are self-destructive or rebellious necessarily, but that are honoring what's organically true in my feminine form. And mm. what my feminine form wanted to do was lay down and dance and sing and be in nature and be in pleasure. And so I pretty much skipped the rest of the program and did my own thing and laid in the grass and listened to birds all day. And I oh. brought my guitar and I sang and I sang and I sang to the sky. And that was my real spiritual retreat. Wow. So you did wild woman it just in a different way. <laughs> did I did. And, and I went exploring after, after I left the ashram, I was like, I'm free. I felt like I was <laughs> out of prison. And, you know, and um, yeah, I, I had another good week of wildness after that. How amazing that you gave yourself permission to tune into yourself and go with what felt good for you. I think that in, in our society, a lot of us prevent ourselves from, from going towards or even asking or speaking up for what it is that we actually want because we, we feel guilty or we feel pressured to go with the flow or we're afraid we're going to be a burden or we're going to afraid that we don't deserve something. But here you were like, no, this does not vibe with me and who I am authentically. So I'm going to create my own path. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I will 
Thank you for that. And I will say I did have a little bit of a process around it also, because I think deep down I wanted like the spiritual stars. Like I mm. wanted to get the, the sticker uh, for for uh, making it through the week and yeah. reaching nirvana from this deep discipline. And what I realized is that like we all have our own path to nirvana and to peace and to bliss and pleasure. And my path is through pleasure. That's mm. my portal. Pleasure is my portal. Mm, I love that. Hashtag that. Let's start at a trend. <laughs> yeah. You can see that's going to reach like a million. <laughs> <laughs> starting yeah. that trend. Yes. Yes. And, and when we think about, you know, there's such an important element of self-inquiry to understand what it is that, that we want. Um, you know, I was talking about earlier, this, this idea of, uh, using our voice or communicating to create that, which that we really actually want. Why do you think that communication is so important for sex in our relationships? Oh my God, for everything, for so many reasons. Um, why is communication so important? I think we can't expect to experience pleasure unless we're willing to take the risk of communicating our mm. needs. Mm. Without communication, uh, you know, and communication happening on many levels, okay, so I want to say not just spoken communication, but communication on all levels. Uh, there's less connection and isn't yeah. connection like the, the greatest aphrodisiac, you mm. know, that deep attunement, deep connection is really the, the best sex. I think that's all what we're looking for. Connection. Totally. Which I, I, I can think that, which is so funny because we, a lot of people feel, and even myself some days, you know, feel alone or separate from other people. But, you know, when we can speak to them or, or even just, you said communication on many levels, can you speak more to that? Absolutely. So, um, something I got into about five years ago, I did some work with David data and sort of that whole world. And, you know, they talk a lot about communicating, you know, third level relating. Um, so, I got really into the um, art and the nuance of intonation. What does that mean? Intonation. It's like the, to the tone of your voice. Hmm. And, and not only when you're speaking a word, but when you're sounding. So when you're making love uh, to your man, let's say from a woman's perspective, and you give him an mmm. Oh, my God. Do that again. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> you just notice in your body what happens when you receive that oh, sound. Yeah, I got some tingles <laughs> in my body. <laughs> mm -hmm. I want to put Eva's voice on repeat. <laughs> I'm just going to clip <laughs> that part out right there. <laughs> yeah, so that says so much, that sound. Um, so does a sound like, mm, or an mm. Right. So like mm. we we're so um, attuned in a very primal way to hear and interpret meaning of intonation. And so that's just, you know, another layer, another level of communication. Um, and then on the, the subtle level, there's the energetic communication. And also this is something I've been really developing as a practice for the last several years of you know, we have to talk about nonverbal communication and body language. Well, I want to go even deeper than that. Even deeper. What are you communicating in total stillness? What, what's your heart math? You know, how, what is the, the, resonance, the resonant field of your heart when you're connecting with someone sexually or non-sexually? Mm. And how does somebody tune into that? For those, those who aren't familiar with energy. Or understanding heart math. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Um, I explain it in a very concrete way. To start witnessing the self, to, to bring awareness to how you're actually feeling when you're in connection with somebody. For example, 
um, you can do this with the, you know, the checkout person at the grocery store as they're ringing up your items and you're standing there looking at them. Um, look away from your phone and look at the person who's checking your groceries and um, notice the sensations in your body as you look at them. Hmm. Notice how it feels as you take in the sight of them, their motions their eyes as their eyes meet yours. So developing that internal witness to be able to tell um, how your body is responding to their stimuli and then what your body's offering them back. Mm. So that's at the, uh, the awareness piece. Um, the next piece of that is to consciously offer and consciously receive different types of energies. So I'm in a listening practice right now that when someone speaks to me, and you might relate to this, Dr. Cat, like especially <laughs> as I'm working with clients, right? So when, mm-hmm. when I'm sitting across from a client and I will intentionally move myself into a state that I feel is most supportive or loving for them. So I'll just project love energy from my heart. Like I imagine there's sunlight in my heart and I'm just streaming light all over their body Mm. or that my heart is this deep and beautiful infinite void black void in which they speak their words into and that my that the that space in my heart catches and holds their words uh, so that they feel that their words are landing someplace soft That's such a beautiful way of describing that. You know, what comes to mind as you're, as you're drawing this visualization is this, uh, this buzzword that I hear a lot right now and the buzzwords of holding safe space. And I've heard that time and time again, and through blogs and and different people just saying, you want me to hold space for you kind of thing. And (laughs) I'm like, what do you want to hold? (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any thoughts about what this means or how somebody does this? It sounds like, you know, just from the the visual you're giving that you're holding something for somebody. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I have to confess that um, I get a little bit annoyed. <clears throat> excuse me when I when I hear this term being overused. Uh-huh. Let's make a clear delineation. It's not a code word for doing nothing. Holding spaces is a verb. Mm, I love that. Meaning it, it's it's very active. And some of the tools that I use and that I teach and like how to hold a space for somebody um, is around presence. Mm-hmm. And and attunement. To me, holding space means to attune to someone. And and you know, the skillful and productive use of silence. Oof. Like right, as psychotherapists, silence is an intervention. Silence is a profound, perhaps the most profound form of support that we can offer someone. And I like to call it sacred silence. Mm, there's a lot of people who are uncomfortable with silence. Super uncomfortable because, <laughs> because you know, I, I used to teach this uh, for many years. I was a teacher at the mayor's office. And mm-hmm. um, so I used to teach the city of L.A. how to hold space, basically how to, like, use sacred silence. It was really an interesting gig. Um, and... And so I think people are fundamentally afraid of silence because it invites deeper intimacy. Expand. (laughs) I'll be quiet. Um, (laughs) Are you using sacred silence on me? Maybe. (laughs) Can you feel it? Is it working? Um, Yeah. Um, When we're silent our bodies actually go into limbic resonance. So mm-hmm. um, I, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with this. So your, your listeners might not be. I'm totally into this idea of limbic resonance, meaning our limbic system is evolutionarily wired to attune to people that we hold attention on for long enough. And this is because we're tribal animals, we're tribal beings, and nature has a very explicit agenda to keep us in connection with each other. 
our society and our technology and our culture, blah, 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 intervenes with that and sometimes derails that for various reasons. Mm -hmm. But our bodies and like our nervous systems, our brains will naturally begin to entwine and to attune with another person the longer that we hold attention on each other. And it happens involuntarily. And so it's part of the autonomic nervous system. And <clears throat> the end result, the product of this attunement is empathy. Mm. And so because it's like a reflex of the body and it's autonomic, we have devised all sorts of strategies to interrupt it. Talking is one of them. Mm, yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what like what the, do you say there? <laughs> the mindless, just like chatter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're just like talking your head off and it's like, uh, are you here with me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this has really come into stark awareness for me recently as my mother passed away four months ago and I'm watching how different friends support me mm-hmm. and, you know, so much love. I have so much love and support in my life. And um, it's been really interesting to see different strategies for how people are showing up to support me in my grief and how much emotional content can they, can they handle? You know, what, like, what is their capacity? And I can feel when I'm sharing feelings or like grief content with someone when they've reached their limit because they'll begin to chatter. And they'll begin mm. to talk in a way that takes us away from emotional presence. Mm. And it's been a really beautiful reflection for me to see how I do that also. So I want to invite your listeners you know, to maybe conduct an experiment in this way. Of It's very, very simple. When someone is speaking to you, meet their eyes, stay connected to your breath, and say nothing. Mm see how long you can go with just receiving them staying connected to their eyes and to your breath and let your body do what it's designed to do which is enter attunement and empathy Mm. I want everybody to share this with their partners (laughs) (laughs) we can share some delicious relationships here if we all learn just how to be quiet and just present i I love that. Why do you think it's uh, some of the reasons or some of the blocks that we have trouble listening fully or being present with somebody? It's very vulnerable. Mm. It, like I said, it's, uh, it engenders a deeper intimacy. And so, and it also engenders empathy and it will do that naturally. So sometimes we don't always want to feel what the other person's feeling. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, and that's okay. Like if someone comes at you and they're in a tirade and they're venting about their boss or their day or their mother or whatever. And you're like, uh, uh, I think we've all had this experience, right. Of like kind of pulling back and feeling our body getting tense or maybe we're on the phone and then we start to distract ourselves. It's what we're doing is, um, we're saying no to the empathic bond in that moment because we don't want to take on their emotional content which is totally okay and allowed to do, but how can we stay in connection and not take on their emotional content? Mm. That to me is the power place. And do you, do you have any tips? What comes to my mind is I hear this so often from people. I'll verbalize what's coming up for me or going on or what I'm feeling. And somebody will say, I'm sorry you feel that way. And Uh, I wonder what you personally feel about that statement. Cause that's ah, another buzz. I hate it. Even when you said it right now, I wanted to be like, fuck you. I know me too. And then I'm like, Oh my God, am I not evolved? Cause I just want to tell this person to fuck off. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, before I give my take on that, it's such a great question. I want to invite your listeners to reflect on how they feel about that statement mm. and why, um, if that's bothersome to them or not, and why. When I hear somebody say, I'm sorry you feel that way, um, what I feel is a disconnection of that empathy. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they're, they're pretend empathizing mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense actually to say, I'm sorry you feel that way. Um, it would make more sense in terms of empathy to say, I'm sad to hear that you feel that way. 
Mm. And doesn't that have a different ring to it? Mm, yeah, it sounds like the person is, is is having an emotional response to right. what you're what you're sharing. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry you feel that way. Is a defense to me, mm-hmm. and even like you can't see me right now, but I'm like wildly gesticulating with my hands, <laughs> and my like my and like my hands like are in a, the position of like stop. Oh, yeah. Like I'm so, I'm sorry you feel that way is a stop. It's very dismissing. It's dismissing. Yeah. And where can you go from there? It's a dead mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. So um, so to your listeners, I would invite you to experiment with new ways of saying that, of, to, of actually sharing your emotional response to what the person is saying, um, even if it's radically unfair <clears throat> or totally accusatory or attacking even. Someone says, I'm so sick of you leaving your socks on the floor. <laughs> my hands raised over here <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah, I'm sad that you feel that way <laughs> but I like to leave my socks on the floor you know like maybe you like to leave your socks on the floor and someone doesn't want you to leave your socks on the floor I'm saying this because I just found some socks on my floor last night um, and <laughs> um, but to give you know to give your emotional feedback would be more in that situation, more like, um, I hear that you're upset. I hear that you're angry that my socks are on the floor. Mm. And I under, I understand that you feel angry. So that's just giving you know basic reflective listening that creates an opening in the conversation, mm-hmm. opening in the dialogue. So you can, you know, once somebody feels understood, once someone feels that they've been empathized with, they can release the tension and open, especially in the heart center, and there can be a deep and honest and productive dialogue. Mm, I love that. And and deeper connection, like you're saying, and all of this, is, you know, this vulnerability piece and being seen really helps not only shape our, our relationships with people, but even our, our sexuality, uh, vulnerability associated with sexual pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I want to you know, ask you, like, think back to some of the hottest sex you've ever had. No. And, oh, I'm there. Um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it might be one experience or it might be many different experiences. I'm going to have some sacred silence right now while I reminisce. <laughs> Everybody on pause. You get, get it, girl. Get it. <laughs> um, most likely one or maybe all of those experiences had to do with a liberation that you felt after expressing yourself and feeling heard. Mm. And especially for women Women have a deep biological need to be heard and to be seen. And so when we speak something into a space and what we get back is that we've been heard and understood, it literally unclenches the pelvis. Mm. It makes our pussy open. And our juices start to flow. Our sexual arousal centers in the brain begin kicking in. That's a scientific shortcut, by the way. But (laughs) we start getting turned on because we've been seen and heard. Mm. So it will, you know, really juice up your sexual experience and your pleasure and literally switch on your sexual wiring, your nervous system, and the, the pelvic innervation comes alive when we've had deep communication. I love that. <laughs> no, you've got that. Mm, I know. Yeah. All right. I'm on. <laughs> Everybody try it together. Yeah. So vulnerability really opens opens us, even as women, especially this uh, opening of the pussy, as you are describing. And to me, what comes to mind is times when I'm vulnerable in in sex, especially, you know, is this uh, when I'm making sounds or when I'm making movement, when I'm getting uh, less inhibited in my body and in my movement, um, there's this, I understand that there's this, uh, rebound effect that happens. Like the, the, uh, vocal cords that I'm, that I'm expressing myself, um, also does something with the pleasure, right? Absolutely, girl. So (laughs) 
In short, I'm going to explain the science of this in a second, but in short, the more that a woman can vocalize, the more turned on she'll become. <laughs> I'm going to get real loud. <laughs> <laughs> really, really. Um, I have a, a quick and dirty practice to share about that when I'm done with this, with this piece. But um, So how this works is through the vagus nerve. And we are learning so much more and more literally every day about the power of the vagus nerve. And if you get a chance, check out polyvagal theory. Um, I'm fascinated by this. I've been following it for about 15 years now. And what we know is like, um, so women are innervated in their genitals by four major nerve highways. And these nerve highways run from the pelvis and the genitals up to the brain. And so one of these nerve highways is the vagus nerve. And it connects literally from the vaginal canal or the G-spot, as we might call it, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, runs yeah, up the back of the spine um, and into the brainstem. And so one kind of <clears throat> scenic route that it takes is through the larynx and the vocal cords. And the larynx literally shares the same cellular composition, the same tissue as the yoni. Oh my God, stop it. <laughs> the yoni meaning your vulva meaning your pussy meaning your pussy. Yeah. yeah yeah i i prefer pussy but i'm not sure <laughs> i love the word yoni to me it's, it's so sweet and yummy and i've used it before my listeners are like what is a yoni so I'm like, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. can call her whatever we like <laughs> yeah. yeah i think everyone knows what pussy is um, <laughs> i think so <laughs> i'm a, i'm a fan of yoni also but you know what we're talking about by now um so anyway, when we, when we activate the larynx and the tissue there, there's a responsive activation in the, the tissue and the lining and the muscles of the vulva, the vagina, the yoni, the pussy. And this is communicated via that nerve highway at the vagus nerve. And so um, <clears throat> when we're sounding whatever is happening, we're going to experience more liberation, pleasure, opening, and engagement, more connection with our sexual body and with our genitals. Mm. One of my teachers talks about, one of my tantra teachers, um, suggests to sound whatever is true for you during the sexual encounter or the intimate encounter. So even if that experience or that feeling is boredom or frustration or um, desire or pleasure, whatever that is, to create a, a vocal interpretation of everything that's happening inside of your body. Ooh. Mm -hmm. That's my sound. <laughs> I don't realize how many sounds I make when I communicate to people. <laughs> you, you make some beautiful sounds, I will say. I've been, I've been enjoying them so far. Quite a lot. Um, and so, you know, I, I've done this practice and it's fun to bring your partner on board. And if you have a male partner, I think this can be really interesting for them because they work in such a different way. Um, for men, the vagus nerve does not extend into the pelvis. So they have only three nerve highways connecting their genitals with their brain. We have four, which mm. explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is really particular for women. Um, uh, if you can get your partner on board and make it playful uh, and even make kind of a sex game out of it. Uh, I, I once had a lover years ago where we would have play a sex game where we only made animal sounds uh, <laughs> when we were together. And we actually went on a picnic first. So we sat at the picnic and we could only make grunts and moans and no words. Whoa. Yeah. So how, you know, how do you, do you communicate what you want and what you're thinking and you're, you know, please, please pass the salt and isn't it a lovely day through just sounds. Uh huh. And then of course that was incredibly erotic um, and that turned very quickly into an intense lovemaking session. <laughs> People going by, are there bears in this park? <laughs> no, it's just Eva making love. Again. Again. <laughs> Eva again doing her weird shit. That's so funny because I do a lot of critter talk with my friends. <laughs> yeah. I'll like snuggle up with them and just be like, burr, burr, burr. 
You're super turned on now, aren't you? <laughs> See, I, I embody this critter talk and it's so cute and so cuddly. You just want to. And then all of a sudden I'm making out with you. You don't even know how that happened. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. We're on your, we're on to you. I am very <laughs> tricky. Very, very tricky. <laughs> so one more practice, if I may. Mm-hmm. My uh, for women, this has been a very powerful practice for me and most of the women I work with is to sound during your self-pleasuring and to intentionally do that. So for most women, when we're in a true self-pleasure practice, okay, this is different than five minute masturbation before you go to bed. But when you're really marking time to explore sensation in your own body, um, use your voice, you know, a lot of women will only use their voice during lovemaking to communicate to their man or to please their man because mm-hmm. men love sounds. You know, they love to hear that feedback as they're pleasing their woman. And so I think women have often been entrained to sometimes like exaggerate mm-hmm. their pleasure or to like theatricalize or dramatize their voice. And that's not what I'm talking about. So I'm talking about authentic voice. So while you're self-pleasuring, uh, let your voice have its own way. Wow. Yeah. And, and you'll begin to feel more turn on the more that you voice and also combining breath with that voice. So like a deep guttural exhale, like a, uh, even just that, which is maybe not erotic for men to hear, but I'm saying, who gives a fuck? This is not for men. This is for you. This is for you to feel the power of your voice and your authentic expression and mm-hmm. to make ugly sounds, to make unattractive sounds, to make growly sounds, to, you know, whatever is like unfeminine or uh, just might be displeasing to men, to make that during your self-pleasuring and just discover what that does. Mm, wow. You know, I'm reminded that that not everybody feels comfortable with making sounds. And why do you think that is? Why do you think that we block ourselves from making sounds? Yeah, thank you. Great question. For this, I defer to evolutionary psychology and neuroscience, which I know you're a fan of. Oh my God, I'm drooling right now. Drooling, <laughs> the drooling emoji next to the nerd emoji, next to the mind blown emoji, all of them. <laughs> Great. Um, okay. So we have to understand that women have been wired by evolution over millennia to not make sounds. And even though it's what our brain and our bodies naturally want to do, our culture and our tribal psychology tells us that if we make noise, we might put ourselves in danger. Mm. So as women speak up and find voice, there could be very real and harmful consequences of that, especially if that voice is raised in protest. So I think on a cellular level, like in our DNA, we've inherited this ancestral programming to, to not voice our needs, to not voice our discontent. Um, this is more true for some women than for others. You know, some women are really good at voicing their discontent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. But uh, especially for if, if uh, you have a history of trauma or sexual trauma, mm-hmm. that voice, like you not using your voice might have been part of a survival strategy. Oh, wow. And so the voice gets buried. The energy gets stuck in the throat chakra. And it becomes a contraction, even a muscular uh, contraction in the fascia uh, around the chest and the throat to clamp the voice down. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you spoke up or said no or you screamed or you called for help during some kind of assault or any violation of your body, then it might have put you in even greater danger. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about sexual communication... Um, if you have a history of trauma or even, you know, trauma can be defined as somebody cat calling you on the street and you feeling violated and really deeply uncomfortable by that. We have to, you know, factor in and give ourselves 
a lot of compassion and patience to begin waking that voice up again and that you might be working against millennia of programming and to start with just the breath. So maybe in your pleasure practice, as you're beginning to integrate voice more, that you're not like howling with pleasure like a porn star, you know. (laughs) Maybe your vo- your vocalizations sound like a <sighs> where there's mostly breath and a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of sound mm. to just start there, start there. And what happens is that the nervous system begins to recognize that sound does not put you in danger. And the nervous system begins to relax and open and move into sympathetic parasympathetic balance which is an ideal and optimal space for orgasm and pleasure. When your stress response and your relaxation response are in balance, uh, that's maybe going off-roading a little bit, but um, so begin with just very, very subtle sounding. For women, especially what happens a lot of times is that we have a request when it comes to sex. Like we want it this way or that way. We want things to be different. Mm -hmm. But because of all of this training and the constriction in the throat and not wanting to displease our man and wanting to be loved, et cetera, et cetera, we don't assert our needs and our wants. Yeah. And so that gets congested energetically in the body over time. And then suddenly, three months into the relationship, we break and we go, oh, God, stop it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then it, you know, when we get angry, so we the the energy of that anger becomes the vehicle for our communication. Wow, it's out of us, and then it it creates a collapse in the sexual relationship because what man wants to hear that? You know, that's assaultive to him. And so, by working with the voice and beginning to open it subtly. When you're in an early lovemaking experience, you know, we can begin to train ourselves to say, mm, what I would love is yeah. slower. Yeah. Or yeah. even encouraging what has been done that we love. I love it when you do this. Or I love it when you did this one time, you know, or really encouraging them and what they have done. I love that technique. And not making them wrong. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than if we embarrass or put down our partner, they're not going to be open. (laughs) I don't know why we think that that it's going to help them open and step up and be more sexual and manly or womanly. I don't know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm going to make you feel bad. Now step up. (laughs) Yeah. I think what it really is is that energy of frustration that has built mm-hmm. that then gets expressed as, as a microaggression in the oh. communication. And, um, Hey, you know what? I've been there. I've done that. I think most of us have an experience of not communicating something early on and then it builds and builds and builds. Um, so I think giving people tools, very mm-hmm. concrete tools, um, of language that they begin early in the connection, like mm-hmm. on the first date, like that they're really practicing this with everyone that they're in connection with, it can remediate a lot of that buildup and frustration. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's never too early to be speaking, especially from your authentic truth and, and, you know, paving the way to, you're taking an active participation in the unfolding of the relationship from the very first day, instead of just allowing it to unfold unconsciously might become something you don't really want, (laughs) including (laughs) your sex life. (laughs) Absolutely. So I wonder if for all of our listeners, like all of this information is amazing. I'm turned on by it. Um, Would you (laughs) give our listeners three takeaways that they can, that they can implement today? I mean, obviously right now they can just start making sounds in the way in their communication, Um, but three takeaways (laughs) that they can, that they can put in their pocket. Absolutely. Number one, mm, I, it's really hard to distill this down to three. I have to be honest with you. It's just, <laughs> I want like, it all. <laughs> so many. Of so much. Okay. Number one, and th- this is about 
self-regulation and when you're communicating. So what does that mean? That's kind of a technical term. Um, to relax and open yourself before you say anything important. So if you're feeling triggered, you're feeling frustrated, you're feeling furious, learn to work with the impulse to lash out at your partner or at anybody um, or while, while you're making love and bring yourself back to your center before you speak. So mm -hmm. very easy ways of doing that is just take a couple of deep breaths. Um, come into your body. Put a hand on your heart and soothe any anxiety that might be happening. Mm. Um, and I know for me, anytime that I have to communicate something that feels difficult or I feel anxious about, I call on my guides. Like I, I call God into my throat. Mm -hmm. um, and so number one, come to your center before you say anything important. I love that. Number two, practice and prepare. Mm. So what that means is um, <laughs> practice communicating something. If you find it difficult to say something, but you know you need to say it, um, I will literally coach clients to look in the mirror and say it a couple times or to role play with me so that they get the rehearsal uh, track going. So they get the, the neural pathway built in the brain mm -hmm. and, and that the words come out more easily from the mouth. Mm. So that's the practice piece. The prepare piece is I'm a big believer in having a couple of catchphrases in your back pocket just to get the ball rolling, to create a momentum and an opening in the dialogue. Um, now, some of these catchphrases would be, uh, we would call them sentence stems. So it might be something like, uh, what's true for me right now is, mm, wow. what I'm aware of right now is, or um, I find this very difficult to say, and I'm afraid of your response, <sighs> you know, and, you know, come up with like three or four of those openers that you love and that resonate in your body. And start to experiment with them. Yeah. One might be what I would love is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, yeah, one of my favorite ones that I say is what's coming up for me or what I'm feeling in my body right now, even if I don't know the emotion. But I've noticed that my partners have started taking on those those same statements, those catchphrases right before. And I'm like, oh, I'm so influential. <laughs> but they Great. really do work. They really they do work. They really do. Well, yeah. you're, you're, you're creating a culture in a relationship, which is <laughs> essentially what a relationship is. Is, is a mm. cultural co-creation. You're mm -hmm. creating a, a, a field. I use that same word. Yes, a, a, that a relationship is a co-creation. It's the input of both people or more. <laughs> How many people are in your relationship? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably everyone else you've ever had a relationship with is in your current relationship Oof, too. Snap to that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for better and for worse. <laughs> but they all add to our evolution, like we said at the beginning of the show. And then you've got, you've just got all these incredible nuggets and you also have a program that you're about to launch with for women, right? I do. Thanks for that segue. I'm so excited about this particular program. This is a six month coaching program is called embodied ecstasy. Can I get an mmm about that? <laughs> I love the movement that's happening with more embodiment. That it's less, it's not so much just the talk therapy. It's, it's bringing in the body and I love it. Mm -hmm. Well, as a somatic psychotherapist, this is what I'm all about, you know, <laughs> like I love, I'm all about the body. So, um, so yes, so embodied ecstasy is perfect for women who might be experiencing a desire to expand and grow their sexual pleasure and their sexual wholeness. So it's an online virtual coaching program that is intimate. I'm only taking 12 women. Wow. So if we're going to go on a deep, deep journey 
Um, it's perfect if you feel that you have trouble reaching orgasm mm -hmm. or you've never experienced orgasm that you know of. Mm -hmm. um, if you have sexual trauma, if you have pain during sex, if mm -hmm. you have low libido, what you consider low libido, low sex drive, mm -hmm. um, if you're in a transition such as motherhood, menopause, divorce, or a significant health diagnosis, mm -hmm. this is a perfect program for you. And I have many friends and colleagues who are helping me to teach this program. So I'm very blessed to be connected in a network of incredible sexual experts. Oh, yeah. And I would invite you to check out the program. We actually start in a week. So doors are just getting ready to close. We can just wiggle you in last minute. <laughs> and we'll have a link to that uh, maybe in the program notes. But mm -hmm. you, can, you can find it on my website at evaclay.com. Amazing. And where else can they find you, Eva? Yeah, evaclay.com. Um, I'm... I'm everywhere now. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Me, <laughs> I was in Costa Rica leading a, a talk and somebody was telling me, oh my God, do you know Eva Clay? And I was like, I need to. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, we have a lot in common. So mm -hmm. I can see why people would want to put us together. Um, yeah, I, uh, you'll find me on Facebook, Eva Clay. Uh, find me on Instagram. Follow me if you find me, mm -hmm. um, uh, Eva Clay. And by all means, keep in touch with me. Drop me a line. Go to my website and use the contact page and let me know what you think of this talk. And if you have more questions, you want some more of these golden nugget tools, I love to share them. It's my pleasure. It's our pleasure. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much, Eva. This has been such a fun show with you. It has. I actually had a good time. I had some good laughs in there. So thank yeah, you. Yeah. And lovers, I also want to thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please head to eatplaysex.com to subscribe to the show. Connect with me and grab my sexy guides <laughs> because our goal is to get you to eat, play, and sex better so that you can improve your sex life which will improve every aspect of your life. <laughs> sex matters. And I'll see you next time on Eat, Play, Sex. Thanks for tuning in, lovers. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You can find out more about our guests and topics from our show by checking out eatplaysex.com. Until next time, don't forget to nourish your sex life.